0: Greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy, joining me is Pops, and today we're going to be talking Dr. Strange.
1: Welcome, and we're so happy that you're with us for this
0: strange episode. Yes, indeed. We're... we're Finally joining or taking a look into the Marvel mystic. That's what I'm calling it. So we've seen, I call the Marvel fantastic, which is kind of like what we've been experiencing so far. The Marvel mythic, which is like Thor, the Marvel cosmic, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. And now we're in the Marvel mystic.
1: Okay. Yeah, sure. That would work. You know, I mean, uh, Dr. Strange was, he was in a comic that was called Strange Comics. Strange Tales. Yeah. Yeah. Strange Tales. Right. That's true. Yep. Yeah. I used to actually I I did like reading them even though at a young age they were a little bit scary. Really? Well yeah you know because it did delve into a lot of uh different occult type things you know. Yes it did. I also Vampirella I used to read which was uh big magazine all its own, which was another strange, but also in the same vein. Right, right. Yes, I did have a thing for horror movies and flicks back in my day, and as Mm -hmm. you know from your collection, the black and white, some of them were really, really good.
0: Yes, agreed, absolutely. Anyways, so let's get started. Yeah, so it might be good for us to talk a little bit about the strange tales which is you know like you said the where he first appeared so I, after another bit of research uh, i found out the reason why they had those books uh, back in the 60s so you had strange tales you had tales of suspense tales to astonish a lot of uh, amazing fantasy was another one and um I'm trying to remember some of the uh, other ones journey into mystery so generic titles that didn't necessarily feature one character in fact uh the research that i did reading through some of the old dr strange comics from strange tales it was most of the time shared between somebody from the fantastic four in fact the first appearance of baron mordo uh the other story was the thing and the human torch meet the beatles so very funny comical (laughs) so um
1: ringo and all them guys, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, and they even had on the on the cover. They had both the Thing and the Human Torch with uh, Beatles haircuts from the uh, the early part of their careers, which was was hilarious.
1: Oh gosh, yes, I can imagine. It must have been <laughs> crazy hilarious. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you have to go a little outside the box. There. Right. I thought that. Me, I'm wondering, did that uh, those different books did they come out when uh
0: tales from the crypt and those different books came out it's possible but but uh, anyway back to that original point you thank you for keeping me back there so yes the reason why they had those generic books is because of distribution so Comic books have always had uh, an interesting relationship with distributors, and so basically at that time they had Marvel down to a limited number of books that they could do a month because of uh, supply issues, and so they decided that they were just going to have, you know, a a limited number of books they were running at the same time in order to do that, they'd have to combine stories into, into one comic, so... That's why we got all of those interesting uh, things, and and I think also the good thing about it, um, one of the unintended uh, positive things about it is that they had the ability to quickly introduce new characters or new concepts and not have to, like, take up an entire book. So, you know, introducing a character like Doctor Strange when you have the power of two of the superheroes of the Fantastic Four— on the front of the book, it introduces those readers to something else that's totally different, which I thought was really cool. And I'm kind of wondering if there might be some value into thinking about how to do that uh, nowadays.
1: There probably is. I I would imagine that some things happen, you know, whether it be on uh, the Internet or YouTube or some other type site where, I mean, well... Think about it. Uh, what about Dude Perfect? Right. You know, they started off just doing some little challenges, YouTube things, right? hmm And developed into a huge warehouse company, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So they had that idea. They had a small idea. And uh, if I can
0: recall, ping pong balls... Yeah, but what I was referring to specifically was, you know, piggybacking off of something else. And so that's not necessarily really the same thing.
1: Right. But what I'm saying is they got started with an idea and they chose to run with it all different kind of things. Instead of just doing one thing, they did little snippets. So it was kind of like each episode was about something different. Uh, If you were to do that in a show, Mm -hmm. and then towards the middle of the show, you flip to a totally different story, that would be kind of, or have it to where the character meets up with that second character. Yeah. And then the second half would be about that second character,
0: well, or do, something
1: of that nature,
0: right? Yeah, all, all the, that that happens a lot. They call them uh, backdoor pilots, where you'll and it's it's kind of funny watching it now. But like you'll have, like the biggest thing that comes to mind right now is CSI. You know, they have a case that leads them to Miami, and guess what? They have to work with these new CSIs that are in Miami, and guess what? They're getting their own show this coming fall. <laughs> you know.
1: Right, right. But I'm saying a show that's just one show that both characters share the same. That would be more like the comic book, that what you're saying. You know, I mean, Doctor Strange eventually got his own comic. But yes, in the beginning, it was just trying out different things. Yes. Uh, and then those guys also, other characters may have got comics because... And in those days, it was a write-in campaign. Same thing happened with Rocketeer.
0: Uh-huh. Yep. Originally. Yep. yep. So, yeah, starts out in Strange Tales, and uh, he, right, he does eventually get his new book. The interesting, interesting thing about it is that his origin story is not really explored until much later in his uh, character life. Um, so we don't get the the origin story here right away. We get this... Uh, like the first, like I said, the first story of him is defeating uh, the enemy nightmare and some guy's dreams, and uh, we deal with um, astral projection and a couple other occult things, like you said. And uh, when we get to those things in this one, we'll we'll talk more about that. Yeah, we we can talk about the other characters as we come to them, and we'll uh, we'll explore the uh, some of the backstory around them, and maybe even some of the uh, the information about the film as well.
1: Right? Yeah, because. This is, we do have to deal with the baggage of the origin story in this film. However, it's really just Doctor Strange's origin story. Correct. Like you said, when we get to some of the other characters, uh, there is backstories to them, definitely. Mm. Sure. Anyways, this was a movie that came out in 2016, and uh, interestingly, it came out first in Hong Kong before uh-huh. it premiered in the U.S. Right. Uh, actually, almost a month before. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting because the end of the movie is in Hong Kong, pretty that, much. That's right. Yep. You know, so premiere starts in Hong Kong.
0: Yeah. Well, there There is a, a very uh, specific plot point i want to talk about and that's probably the reason why they made the decision that they made on it but we'll we'll get to it just a little bit
1: okay all right so uh
0: anyways they had
1: a budget of 165 to 236 million is what they were planning to spend and it made uh over 677 million so yeah almost three times as much uh money so not a bad thing
0: Not Civil War, but not that. It's
1: It's definitely not Civil War, but there again, too, it was Doctor Strange. Yeah. Even though I remember giving you the animated movie, I remember you also selling it in a garage sale, so I know it was very memorable
0: for you. Well, we (laughs) always go back to the Marvel animated stuff, and we don't need to open up that right now. So (laughs) there's a lot of other things we need to talk about in this movie. All right, let's rock. So uh, the first thing that I do want to talk about is the beginning, you know, kind of the the setup is that he's uh, Dr. Strange is a very successful and arrogant surgeon that's uh, high priced and, you know, does high profile uh, work to put things together. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a well, he was operating on the first patient. They were having a little they were playing a little game that the one of the assistants was uh putting on music tracks. Oh yes. And definitely. then he had to guess. Right. So you remember the, the track that he was uh talking about when it came on? I
1: remember Feel So
0: Good was the second track. Right, yeah, that that's the one I was gonna be talking about anyway. So Oh just, okay. It's funny. So if I remember correctly, you actually had the book for that, right? Sheet the sheet music, I think. Yes, up. I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. So,
1: and I actually bought a flugelhorn, and I was going to try and learn how to play because I did play brass instruments when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do. I remember I loved that song.
0: Yeah, it's it's strange because I went ahead and like listened to it in preparation for the the, the entire track. Listen to it for while I was working on something else and. That track is like nine minutes long. It's really yes, long. Yes, it is. A- and it was a top 40 hit with an, in- an instrumental song with a flugelhorn. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Yes.
1: Well, I have to say that uh, as far as uh, radio stations go, there was another long song. Like, well, there was a few. In Agata da Vida. Right. And uh, which they played a short version on the radio. Mm-hmm. On most radio stations, except for the FM stations. Right. Um, but there was a song called MacArthur Park. Yes. Which was a very long song. Yeah, I and like,
0: uh, the Weird Al version, Jurassic Park.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, definitely good. Um, but those songs, a lot of times they were used by the DJs. Uh huh. When they had to take a bathroom break, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because they knew that they had a few more minutes to go. You know,
0: yeah. The that that is one thing that I'll I've never I never had the chance to experience, and I kind of want to see come back. Which is uh, album oriented radio stations will just play they'll stick a whole album on and just play it through.
1: Oh yes, well uh, the station there was a radio station back in my growing up day. It was called WSHE. I remember that. She Radio. Yep, remember that. And when it first came out, that was their thing. They would play long versions of songs. Yeah. Uh, and then they would have a special night that they played, like, the whole album, cover to cover. You yeah. know, both sides. Right. And they would play side A, and then they would flip it over and play slide, side B. Right. As a matter of fact, Styx actually did some concerts. Yeah. Where they did that with their
0: albums, yeah. The She Radio when I was younger, it it was a classic rock station, and that was it. It was you know, kind of like your typical classic rock stuff. So you're right; it definitely came a long way since uh, the album oriented version. That uh, right, we're talking I about.
1: can remember listening to the My Sharona album on yeah. there, yeah, and thinking, wow, that's the thing about uh, those stations because you can't really appreciate a band's ability until you listen to all the different things that they've written and the styles yeah that they choose to do them with
0: yeah yeah so yeah i'm with you that would be great if it could come back yeah maybe there is a uh you know there should be a podcast about that maybe that's an idea of something we could do as an experiment one of these days anyway we'll 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 talk about that later um okay so the but the just that scene where, you know, he has this um actually moment with the guy, you know, talk, arguing whether or not it was in nineteen seventy seven or nineteen seventy eight. Right. And uh that hit a little too close to home for me. <laughs> just uh, putting that out there that uh I'm that um some I sometimes am that um actually guy, so So
1: did <laughs> it So you reflected on it.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it uh Anyway, so well, let's face it, we can all be um, actually guys yeah. and girls. Right, right. At yeah. one point or another, because there are certain things that we know that other people don't know. And sometimes we choose to use that to lift ourselves up a little bit. Right. Whether we do it intentionally or not, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, most of the time it's a. I care about the facts. Let me, you know, make sure the facts are straight. You know, it's not necessarily. Oh yeah, I got. I'm the holder of the facts. I'm willing to share the facts and say let the record show that Chuck Mangione's album was released in 1977, not 1978 or
1: whatever. Right. It was recorded in 77. Help me. Let me straighten you out. <laughs> That's why. It I said. was recorded in 77, not yeah. released till
0: 78. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. There you go. Yeah. So that happens. He's that surgery's fine, but uh right after he gets a visit from another doctor in the ER with Christine Palmer about a really weird case about a guy having a bullet lodged in his head and basically they they declared him legally uh, legally brain, legally brain dead. dead he was on the table to get his organs out cuz he was an organ donor and then strange you know just pops in there Does his thing, and we get this really tense moment of him fishing out a bullet of a guy's skull, and he's going to be okay, and we see a couple things here. Number one, uh, we see more of his arrogance. Number two, we see when Christine Palmer, who is the second character, and we'll talk about her in just a minute, Uh, but anyway, when she goes with him to tell the family that he's going to be okay – you know, they, they give, you know, her this giant hug, they want to give him a hug, and he kinda of just like really brushes them off. He's got this he doesn't know really how to interact with, with people, which if you're gonna be a surgeon at that caliber, there's probably some social uh issues that you do have. So I can see that. Very similar to Tony Stark, who doesn't like things being handed to him. <laughs> right. Right. So.
1: Exactly. Well, yeah, because they are in their minds
0: more intelligent
1: above others. Yeah. I'm um, sure that's part like of it. He's, you know, Doctor Strange is one of those guys that uh, he has his uh, an agent who checks out different cases for him, and which he should try to do, or which ones are are below him.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Uh, right, because that's coming bit. up shortly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, he finishes the procedure. There's another int- character introduced to called uh, Nicodemus West or Nick. And it's kind of like his rival. He he was the guy who's basically saying, the guy's dead, lost cause, let's get the organs out and make some use of them. But uh, uh, that's quashed. So uh, Stephen Strange is victorious in that. And uh, Christine Palmer has a conversation with him and pretty much sums up who Stephen is at this point. So let's listen to a clip. Uh, describing him and then we'll talk about that after this
2: you know you didn't have to humiliate him in front of everyone
3: i didn't have to save his patient either but you know i sometimes just can't help myself
2: nick is a great doctor you came to me yeah, well, I needed a second opinion. You
3: had a second opinion. What you needed was a competent one. Well,
2: all the more reason why you should be my neurosurgeon on call. You could make such a difference. You
3: can't work in your butcher's shop. Hey, Look, okay. I'm fusing transected spinal cords. I'm stimulating neurogenesis in the central nervous system. work I'm doing is going to save thousands for years to come. In ER, you get to save one drunk idiot with a gun?
2: Yeah, you're right. In ER, we're only saving lives. And there's no fame. There's no uh, CNN interviews. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just have to stick with Nick.
3: Oh, wait a minute. You're not... You guys aren't... What? Sleeping together. Sorry, I thought that was implicit in my disgust. A- a-
2: explicit, actually. And no, I have a very strict rule against dating colleagues. Oh, really? I call it the strange policy.
3: Oh, well, good. I'm glad something's named after me. You know, I invented a lemonectomy procedure, and yet somehow no one seems to want to call it the strange technique.
2: We invented that technique.
3: You know, regardless, I'm very flattered by your policy. Look, I'm, uh, I'm talking tonight at a neurological society. There. Come with me.
2: Another speaking engagement? So romantic.
3: I still love coming to those things with me. We had fun together. No,
2: you had fun. They weren't about us. They were about you.
3: Not only about me. Stephen, everything is about you. Maybe we could hyphenate. Strange Palmer technique.
1: Palmer strange.
0: Yeah, so in that clip, we're introduced to a new character. Uh, Christine Palmer, who actually does have a little bit of history in the Marvel uh, universe, she yes. She uh, premiered in 1972's Night Nurse uh, comic. Right, one of three. Yes, it, it, it's it. I actually read the first one of those. It's fascinating uh, going back that it was at least the first issue was no superheroes at all. It was it was a medical drama about three girls that were in nursing school and trying to, uh, become nurses. So, uh, we had Christine Palmer, we had Linda Carter, not any relation to Wonder Woman, Linda Carter, and, uh, George Jenkins. So, you know, just kind of, it, it kind of goes through, it's, it's like a slice of life comic where they kind of just go through all the drama of, you know, being in nursing school, trying to balance that and have a life and also being three, Young single women in the city and trying to you know navigate that as well. So it's 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 interesting.
1: Yes, actually, uh, Stan Lee had wanted to boost up the uh, girl readers. Yep. Yeah. So and uh, you know they tried to make it something, you know, between uh, romance novels and Nancy Drew. Yeah. But like you said with the comics, the way they were set up, uh huh. They couldn't go. It was. Too gritty to go in the romance comic section, yep, and yet it didn't have enough action to go with the superhero stuff,
0: exactly, yeah, so it was in a weird situation, and I could see in fact i w- I want to ask some of my uh, friends who are in nursing to read the book and kind of give me their opinion on it because you know for my you know surface level reading of it, I thought it was for what it was it was interesting, you know that it, it, it you had three young women who had the, they came from their different backgrounds. You know, Christine Palmer in particular, she came from a very rich family and she wanted to make it on her own. So that's why she moved out to the big city and put herself through nursing school. And then you had um, Linda Carter, who had a different situation. You know, she was a small town girl trying to make it. And then you have Georgia, who comes from the wrong side of the tracks in the city, and she goes to the city to become a nurse so she can go back and help her, the folks in her neighborhood. So, you know, all those inter- interesting personalities. And then there's, there like you said, there is some romance in there. In fact, it's funny because Christine, I think it's Christine. Maybe it's Linda. I don't know. One of them, uh, you know, it's the strange policy. Um, it might have applied to coworkers, but <laughs> one of them was, uh, did fall in love with a patient that was wealthy. So it's kind of funny that, you um, you know, you had that interesting thing. I think it was Linda Carter who, who had right. that well, issue. Well, one
1: of the, uh, Stan Lee wanted, uh, one of the writers, he wanted a woman to write the stories, mm mm-hmm. And uh, uh, unfortunately, Night Nurse only lasted like four episodes, four yeah, comics. Yeah,
0: three issues, yeah.
1: Very sho- short-lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Christine Palmer did appear in Nightcrawler, Volume 3.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, Christine. Yeah, okay. No, and, and Linda Carter. I mean, there's a lot of them that that they got um, repurposed a lot, and you know, and right, and re uh, they got better educated. Oh yeah, yeah. They got upgrade, upgraded to doctors, not necessarily nurses. Right, just,
1: and Christine yeah. actually got upgraded to a surgeon. Right, right. Yes, and then they were specializing in helping injured superheroes. Right, right. Which kind
0: of reminds me of uh, Rosario Dawson. That was the original intent of uh, the Netflix MCU stuff. Uh, Rosario Dawson was supposed to be like a, an amalgamation between the three night nurse characters and, you know, making her the night nurse. In fact, they mentioned the term night nurse, but they decided that uh, they wanted to do something different. So Claire Temple is uh, kind of her own thing.
1: Oh, yes. But, uh, you know, because of. We had a conversation, and I was in between DVDs, so yeah. I started watching Iron Fist again. And there she is in Iron Fist, too. Mm-hmm. So, And I know she's in
0: Luke Cage. Yeah, she's in all of them, and The Defenders, too, I think.
1: Yes, and she's also in Punisher, right?
0: I believe so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, th- I know she's deals with him. Yes, she is. Yeah, she yeah. is. Never mind. Yeah. Okay, so anyways... Um, I just wanted to give a quick mention Uh that the movie first starts off in Kathmandu.
0: Yes. In the library. Yes, yes.
1: Casilius, I guess. Is that his name? yeah. 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 He uh, beheads the librarian. That's right. And steals pages from a book. Right. That belongs to the Ancient One. That's where we first get our start and then... We see Stephen Strange. We don't know what any of that stuff is all about. Right, right. Until but, later on. But, uh-huh. again, we've uh, been bombarded with Stephen Strange and his wonderful acts of charity for people <laughs> and how selfless he is. Right, right. Oh, wait
0: a minute. That's wrong. Right yeah the it's it's funny because he is you know we get to the point now where he's getting ready for his you know little speaking engagement at the medical society or whatever and he's dr- and this is this part right here is definitely um ripped from the the comic um, this is exactly what happens to him so he is in the car and he's talking like you said with his assistant and looking at different medical cases to take up next. And, uh, I don't, you probably saw, uh, observed this as well, but they talked about a, uh, Air Force Colonel who was using a metal, uh, armor prosthesis and, you know, yes. uh, paralyzed. And so he's like, you know, that's too risky. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to mess with that, which happened very last movie. So, uh, the, the nice thing about that is it actually does give us a timeline of when this takes place because from my perspective, it feels like the time that he spends in, uh, what's it called, Kamartaj? That seems like he spent a long, long time there, but he couldn't have spent that much time because it takes place like right after Civil War.
1: Yes, that's true. Well, you know that's the thing with this movie and with everything in the Marvel universe, you get little tiny snippets here and there. Yeah, uh, I'm noticing that in the uh, Iron Fist part, how there are just little snippets here and there that relate. Right. To the MCU. Yeah. And when I saw the part where he was getting ready uh-huh. and he opened up the drawer and had all those
0: watches. Oh, yeah. It's the cufflinks from uh, Wilson Fisk, right? Yes. I yeah. thought,
1: well, <laughs> hey, quite similar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the yeah. same shot and
1: everything. Plus, he had the same type of arrogance about him, I think, in a different way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I could see that. It, it it's interesting you know we have this man who's living for himself right and, yes uh he has his hope his entire hope is in his abilities and so far through life that's kind of got him uh to where he is and he's had a lot of success with it and i love this next scene because it's tragic and um, traumatic but uh you know he's his arrogance of him You know, driving a high-performance car down a winding highway with two lanes of traffic and him passing people and looking at his phone or his display screen and having a conversation while he's doing this ends up completely wrecking his life. And um, it just gives us a picture of how fragile life is, how fragile this current state of things are, that um, God's blessings – Uh, in our lives aren't permanent, um, in this life. And that in a moment's notice, it can be taken away. Like, uh, you know, Job, God blessed him tremendously. And then, you know, one day all of it goes away. Right. And it really, it, what it does is it shows what is really important to that person when things like that happen. And so when he goes, gets in that accident and he finally wakes up after everything and he looks down and he sees his hands, that are completely marred and having things stuck in out of them, he just he loses it. And um, it really does showcase the acting range of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch when, uh, you know, he sees everything taken away from him at, in that moment.
1: Oh, yes. And but unlike Job, he handles it totally different.
0: Exactly. Yeah. He, you know, he, Job,
1: it says, hey, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Right. And he's like, "What did they do? You know, surgically, and they they did, uh, you know, all that's all they could do, right?" And he's like, "No, I could have done more, right? Like he could really have worked on his own hands and stuff, you know."
0: Well, we'll see a scene of that a little bit later. Um, not necessarily with his hands, but with another uh, issue. But we'll we'll get to that in a good time you're exactly right um it, it it shows exactly what he was valuing in life he had all the hope in himself and his abilities and what we see after this is just this spiral down doing trying to figure out whatever natural means he could come to in order to fix his problem he wants to do undergo a special experimental surgery he wants to he spends every last penny and, and
1: then he even borrows. Right, exactly.
0: Yes, he he is doing everything he possibly can to get back to where he was. And uh, we see a, a broken man that um, completely is... Uh, we find out what happens when you don't have faith in something that's beyond yourself. It's, uh, once things start going south, it totally wrecks you, right? You just go into despair at this point.
1: Oh, yes. And then we have a... Uh He's with a uh, rehab person. Yes. And he's got these bands on his fingers. He's trying to stretch it. And he is just like at the lowest point and says, you know, it'll never get fixed. I'll never be healed. Right. And he's like, and I'm sure that as much as you say that to everybody, nobody's ever gotten healed and then he shares a story with them yes about somebody yes and uh he says well you know i'll have to look up the paperwork but i will definitely send it to you right cause because he wants to prove his true. arrogant yeah he wants to put exactly. arrogant,
0: but wrong right i mean
1: <laughs> here let me stick this under your nose and smell this you know yeah
0: which is it was providential that he did that because that started him on his journey to kamar taj right because he, 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 he finally tracks down Pangborn, who is the man who was paralyzed. And now when he finds him, he's playing pickup basketball. Which, right, you Benjamin Bratt. Yes, yes, exactly. Who and, I shared
1: with you was in Catwoman. Yeah. So he's not just a one comic book movie character. No, actor. he's not.
0: No, he's not. And, <laughs> um, well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that one of these days. But anyway... He gives him the not lead. Not
1: if we don't have to.
0: No, we're not. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Kamartaj Taj is his next destination. So we see him going to Kathmandu, which is in... um uh, Well, it's a Bob Seeger song. Right. <laughs> they were talking about that. I remember that. That was that was really funny. But that was one thing I wanted to talk about, was the location of Kamartaj, Taj, which is in Kathmandu itself is in the nation of nepal but if you read the comics kamar taj actually was located in tibet so my thought is that they intentionally changed the location of kamar taj because of the premiere of this film you remember the premiere was in hong kong right right and so there is a little bit to put it mildly, a little bit of bad blood between Tibet and China.
1: No, really?
0: And so I'm thinking they they changed the location of Kamar-Taj in order to not offend the Chinese. Uh, That might be a possibility. That's my theory.
1: Yeah, well, that's okay. Just like uh, Iron Fist is... There was a mythical land in the Himalayas. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. Yeah, so they moved it to Kathmandu... And actually, that's where we meet the next character. Yeah, which you uh, enlightened me about his character status. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, I just didn't remember him. Yeah. In the in the vein that he was, but then again, I don't have you know Marvel Marvel uh, on my phone, Marvel Unlimited. So yeah, yeah. But that character is Mordu? Mordo 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 yeah Mordo. Baron
0: Mordo. Yeah. Actually, they don't call him Baron Mordo in this one cuz he yeah, No, that, they don't. They they completely changed the character, right? He uh, originally in the comics uh he was an antagonist, Doctor Strange, he was a uh Romanian, uh more particularly Transylvanian uh noble that dabbled in the mystic arts and so he was a foil for Doctor Strange a lot. He he's the one that was in cahoots with Dormammu in order to uh, defeat Doctor Strange and the Ancient One, which, uh, very in the different comics. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And so we see that, in fact, Kaecilius was a lackey of Mordo. In fact, I don't think we think he was named back in his first appearance. He was just a lackey looking for Doctor Strange as he and the Ancient One were on a, uh, on the run from being, uh, defeated by them. So it's interesting. Anyway. So, yeah, uh, while he's selling everything. and He has nothing but the watch. Uh, but the watch that Christine gave him. And uh, he's being observed by this uh, robed figure that we find out later is uh, Mordo. Yeah, he's getting accosted by some thieves. Mordo steps in and and, stop, and saves him. And then finally brings him to the uh, Camartage to uh, meet the Ancient One.
1: Right, which he learned about from uh, Pangborn. Correct. And when uh, Pangborn talked with him, Mm -hmm. he was talking about, you know, that he learned from the mystics and, you know. Yep. And it put Dr. Strange in a strange, uh, which I double use that there, but put him in a weird place because he's a non-believer in anything. yes,
0: Yes, he is a materialist. And so, in fact, I got this. Uh, clip here that will play with his first meeting with the Ancient One uh, played by Tilda Swinton and uh, they, they have this conversation about materialism and mysticism and uh, we'll, let's play it and we'll talk a little bit about, we'll talk about the Ancient One and we'll talk about the uh, materialism and a couple other uh, philosophical points that uh, I want to talk about. In
2: Mr. Strange?
0: Uh,
3: doctor actually.
2: Well, no, not anymore, surely. Isn't that why you're here? You've undergone many procedures. Seven, right?
3: Yeah. Good tea. Yes. Did you heal a man named Pangborn, a paralyzed man? In a way. You helped him to walk again? Yes. How did you correct a complete C7, C8 spinal cord injury?
2: Well, I didn't correct it. He couldn't walk. I convinced him that he could.
3: You're not suggesting it was psychosomatic.
2: When you reattach a severed nerve, is it you who heals it back together or the body?
3: It's the cells.
2: And the cells are only programmed to put themselves back together in very specific ways. Right. What if I told you that your own body could be convinced to put itself back together in all sorts of ways?
3: You're talking about cellular regeneration. That's leading-edge medical tech. Is that why you're working here without a governing medical board? I mean just how experimental is your treatment quite so you figured out a way to reprogram nerve cells to self-heal
2: no mr. strange I know how to reorient the spirit to better heal the body
3: the spirit to heal the body all right how do we do that where do we start Don't like that map? Oh no, it's, it's really good. It's just, you know, I've seen it before in gift shops.
2: <laughs> what about this one?
3: Acupuncture, great.
2: Yeah. What about that one?
3: showing me an MRI scan. I do not believe this.
2: Each of those maps was drawn up by someone who could see in part, but not the whole.
3: I spent my last dollar getting here. One way ticket and you're talking to me about healing through belief.
2: You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole, and you've spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole, to see more, to know more, and now, on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine, you reject the possibility. No,
3: I reject it because I do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief. There is no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more. You're just another tiny momentary speck within an indifferent universe
2: you think too little of yourself
3: oh you think you see through me do you or well, you don't
4: but i see through you
0: yeah so we get this really exciting almost entirely visual uh montage of him going through different dimensions of reality and things like that but the interesting thing or point that's made there is this debate about materialism and you know, I guess, our naturalism and supernaturalism. And Stephen definitely represents the current modern worldview that is in all of our media and all of our intellectual uh, academic uh, elites right now, is that all there is is matter in motion. And uh, as Richard Dawkins has said, uh, the universe has nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. And Obviously, the ancient one has a little bit of a different worldview, which is closer to you know what we believe, but uh, still stuff that we're not we're told not to mess with. So.
1: Oh yes, definitely, yeah. it's something that we're told to stay away from. Right. And yeah, I have a lot to. Well, no, I better not. No. Uh, go about ahead. car car-martage. Yeah. First of all, the ancient one. Yeah. Did she? Have something to do with his car wreck
0: interesting that's
1: interesting theory you know uh because here she tells him uh uh-huh. about all the operations that he's been uh, that he's gone through and mm-hmm. everything that he's tried yeah you know if she's in Carmitage all the
0: time, how yeah. would she know all that stuff right well, I think uh I think the answer is explained in Endgame. So uh, we know now at the end of the movie that that the Eye of Agamotto is not what it appears to be. It's not just some uh, mystic trinket. Time bender. Exactly. So what I think happened is that she knew everything about him because she went forward in time and already had that conversation with him and she learned everything. So I don't think it was... Uh, I don't think she was directly involved with it, but neither did she do anything to prevent it.
1: Correct. And so my point is, Karmatage, Who's who comes to karmataj People who have lost all hope and everything right. and are looking for a cure for whatever their ailment is.
0: Yeah. I fact mean, I,
1: even according to this, Mordo yep. or Mordo. Uh, was in the same position
0: yep as as was Pangborn and Kaiselius yeah in fact Kais- i and have a Kaiselius. clip of uh, Kaiselius talking about that exact thing so we'll we'll get to that definitely but you're right okay absolutely um so what do you think about the casting choices that they made for the ancient one and mordo
1: well uh the ancient one I think she did a a very good job of that. She does a better job uh, in, uh, oh my gosh, I'm losing it now, the train movie that I was telling you about. The train movie. Snowpiercer? Yeah, Snowpiercer. She's in that? Yeah, she's uh, basically the antagonist. She's like the second in charge, but she has curly red hair. She wears glasses. Uh It took me half the movie to remember
0: who she was. Well, I know her primarily from uh, Narnia. She was the, the Oh, queen. yes. The yeah, ice so.
1: queen, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, she did an amazing job there. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. So She's a def- good actress. I'm very, very impressed with uh, a lot of the acting choices that they made. But there was a little bit of controversy because – she was playing a character that was traditionally Asian, and so um, they accused the movie of what they, it's a term called whitewashing, where they have white actors portray non-white characters. So the big uh, controversial one was Mickey Rooney playing an Asian character in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, very, uh, yeah, when you kind of watch it now, you kind of cringe a little bit. But I, to me, a lot of it was much ado about nothing, because what the complaint was originally is that oh you know we're tired of these stereotypes of these eastern mysticism characters like with wong and a couple other ones as well and so it's like well what what should have they done you know there's nothing they really could have done to uh you know appease them so if they recasted it as a um you know a celtic woman um you know that was a little bit of controversy. but the thing is, is that nobody talked about how morto was completely changed he's no longer a romanian noble he's a, a right man of african descent it's like y- what are you gonna do you know it's like totally it, different yeah well and so. it's
1: similar with kingpin in the first daredevil movie
0: or nick fury right i mean there's yes it, it, it's it's fine it, you know these characters are not
1: <laughs> well i think that's part of the problem is that You know, we've become a society that is so sensitive, you know, that you have to be politically correct about different things. Well, you know, it is what it is.
0: It's not it's not even that, though, because it's selective. It's completely selective. Nobody cares about how bad they make the Irish look in Daredevil season two. (laughs) You know, nobody cares about, you know, how bad some of these other uh, stereotypes are. Uh, It's only when it's certain things that they can use to their advantage to to generate some controversy and it's like right that's the same thing with the washington red skins right exactly um so
1: who who got offended by that you know
0: yeah so anyway Uh, i
1: mean a small little group gets offended i remember that they're coming out a thing about using asian actors for asian parts right uh it was a big to do like you say about
0: nothing you know well the other part of that that they they specifically mention in the movie here is that the ancient one is not asian she is uh, celtic and she's ancient you know so it's not like they are having a uh, white person play a non-white role she's playing a white role they just re-envision the character as not asian and which is fine you know that they do that in comic books all the time and and i'll bet you and I, i this is just a I'm throwing this out there. I bet you there's a different timeline in the far future where the Ancient One is none other than Stephen Strange. You know? It's just a role. It's not It's not necessarily a particular, like, specific character the Ancient One. It's It's a title, you know? Right. Correct. Yes.
1: Could be uh, The Watcher, you know, for all you know. Oh, yeah. That's a good you know, point. I mean, any of that, because if you look at the comic books with The Watcher... Yeah. He does seem to have that kind of feel about him, you know, robes and uh, yeah, yeah. And not only that, like, see, well, that's the thing. Uh, when she played the part in the Snowpiercer, uh-huh. that role in the comic book was originally a man, right? So she took it whole in a whole nother area. They and they, you know, changed the movie, but yeah, you never would have known that. You know, unless, because I didn't even look at the comics until after the fact, you know? Right, right. But here we're at Carmitage where they bring us your hurt and people that have nowhere else to go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess
0: that, you know, it could be like a cult thing, too. Oh, sure. Yeah. And the other part is that we get introduced to this worldview that also is uh has a lot of uh people who adhere to it nowadays th- that are completely materialist they believe in the multiverse or you know parallel universes and so that is the other thing that kind of undergirds this entire and gives it a little bit of credibility in reality in their viewpoint but the the reality is is that um we have no number one we have no way of testing if there is a multiverse number two even if we did, the uh, odds of it are um, ludicrous. I mean, just the amount of uh, extra, you know, there's lots of philosophical issues. And I would just, uh, if you're interested in learning about that, I would just Google two terms. Number one, world ensemble, that's the actual technical philosophical term for the multiverse, and Boltzmann brain, which is an argument that kind of defeats that particular in my opinion it, it really is a defeater to the theory of multiple uh universes so anyway well um, what
1: about dimensions you know yeah, fifth di- dimension six dimension you know those that, things
0: right well that's that's the that's different um that that is in the realm of physics and not philosophy um but you could certainly go there um and that's that's i think a little bit of a they're, they're, they're talking more about a parallel universes, right? The mirror dimension and things like that, right? Um, in this particular thing, but they did call it the mirror dimension. Yeah, yeah. So there, there, there. You're right. There is a confusion of terms there, and this is this is not going to be the last time we see the storytellers in the MCU conflating two things that they shouldn't be conflating, right? So you're right. There is a difference between different dimensions and different universes. So right. Anyway. What
1: about the astral plane?
0: Yes, that's another uh, uh, you Is that right. a
1: dimension or is that... Uh... Right,
0: exactly. So it's, it's totally different. But yeah, so he, he finds out there's a little bit more to, to the uh, life than the material universe. And he's like, teach me. And she throws him out. And he uh, stays at the door for a very long time in order to get back in. And they do let him back in. So they finally decide to, to train him. Right.
1: And we get a long version of him learning from the books and we learned
0: that he has a photographic memory that's correct yeah so which is he, which is why he would remember someone like chuck mangione right exactly <laughs> exactly
1: and i thought it was wonderfully comical yeah how he would open up a little hole grab a book yeah open up another hole grab a book yeah 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 why yeah uh, uh, well fun. Wong Wong was listening is, to like looking around
0: listening to beyonce
1: yes yes because he told him about her
0: yeah try me beyonce yeah so yeah yeah so So.
1: yeah so we get that part and then Uh he gets the book that the ancient one that uh the pages were ripped out by Cassilius. correct and he had already learned about the stone the time
0: bender right the eye of agamotto
1: uh yes the eye of agamotto and he Actually makes the ripped pages come back.
0: Yes, and so he's able to look at what Caecilius actually stole, and so he realizes that. It, and Wong says, and Wong is another character that we're introduced to. He, in the uh, comics, he's just kind of like his assistant, but here he's the keeper of the library and has a little bit more of a prominent role, uh, played by Benedict Wong, which I thought was interesting. That uh, character na- uh, actor named Wong played the character Wong, and his name is Benedict, just like the main actor benedict so that was, that's that was, right that's pretty cool ben. yeah exactly anyway but could you call him gentle ben well played i see yes. what you did there yeah okay <laughs> <Anyway>.
1: <laughs> for the old uh those that are too young to know about that used to be a tv show about a bear yes and his name was gentle ben yeah um
0: so but they do, he
1: learns from mardu and wong that uh bending time has consequences
0: yes very dangerous consequences and, and what wong says is the knowledge is not forbidden but the practice of it is or the spells are and so I, I do like that that is actually an interesting point that he made is that there's a difference between doing something wrong and actually knowing it like it, it, there's there, there is there might be some sufficient risk in order to have conversation about topics that might be controversial, or might have dangerous consequences. But the wrong way to handle that is to censor it, right? You know the the fact that what you end up doing is you end up creating a, a black market for ideas that end up um, not letting them being able to be discussed openly and in a way that could easily be refuted. It's like so, for instance, you know, there's this. You know, right now we're talking about, uh, you know, we're living in the age of COVID nineteen, and there are doctors that have some opinions that aren't going. They're they're outside of the mainstream, and instead of you know, even if they are pushing dangerous ideas, instead of going out and refuting them and refuting them thoroughly, they decide to you know take their videos off of YouTube. So what does that do is it makes everybody go on alternate ways of viewing that information and then not necessarily getting the straight truth because it's become underground, you know. So I, I think that that's sometimes a thing that people don't think about. It's the unintended consequences of censorship and, um, you know. That. I agree. So,
1: yeah, so we could, we could go down a whole new rabbit hole about that because sure. I feel that way about a lot of the uh, – well, CSI especially – yeah. Uh you uh get introduced to a lot of strange things on on those shows. Right. Uh and I think that it's important you don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but you should be informed that that rabbit hole is there so you don't step in it. Sure. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So that's a, it's the same thing what you're saying here.
0: Yeah, so back to the story. Yes. Strange is uh, making a lot of progress. He's um, ancient One throws him off on um, Mount Everest and says, guess what? you got to find your way back by making your own portal. He does it barely. He barely survives. And so we see this growth, very similar to other training montages. He's able to make himself more versed in the, in the mystic arts. And, and the interesting thing here is that they get introduced that there are three sanctums on Earth that defend against the mystic forces of evil. And they happen to be, get this, one's in Hong Kong one's in London and one's in New York. Now these sanctums have existed for thousands of years. So you're telling me that before the discovery of these places by different folks and everything, that these sanctums existed in these different places, you know, for thousands of years. I don't know. That seemed to strain my credibility at that point. Credulity. Well, you
1: know, it's, that's the way uh, I feel a lot of times when you're watching a, nature show or a show about uh history and they say oh millions and millions of years ago yeah yeah and i'm thinking like no yeah so uh, anyways to get back to where we were at yeah uh they when they discussed that about the three buildings uh-huh he let they let him know that hey you can get to any one of those sanctums right here yeah, from from permitage
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then that is when we get Caecilius and his followers back into the mix. Uh, Strange learns about them and they are in the process of uh, capturing the other sanctums in order to uh, have a a particular agenda that we don't know about yet. We get explained to us very shortly. But right. uh, But yeah, they blew up London. Yes. And and then
1: uh, he kind of strange gets sucked into the door in New York. Yes, exactly. Get sucked into New York. Yes. And that's where we get this big montage. What did you think about the special effects? Uh, yeah. You know, bending the reality. That so,
0: they did? yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I did want to talk about it. In my opinion, the visual effects in this movie are some of the best I have ever seen. And I think it's the best in the MCU. The visual effects are absolutely breathtaking the way that they have bent reality in the mirror dimension and the the things that they've played with you know visually um and it doesn't look none of it i've didn't see a single shot i paid a lot of attention to these things i didn't see a single shot that looked bad everything in this movie was top notch like i I can yes
1: it was up for a bunch of
0: awards for that too yeah and, and i'm wondering if you know you mentioned the the budget and it's a big swing you know like you said at the low end it's the 165 but at the high end it's you know almost 100 million dollars more and i'm wondering if most of that money went into the special effects because if we look at a budgeting perspective it's almost the same as civil war uh, from a movie budget right if you took take the top end of right. it right yes. and the most I, I i didn't actually look at the balance sheet maybe i should have i don't even know if they published those things but i am assuming that on civil war the the big chunk of money that was spent on it was on the actors because they had pretty much everybody in here but in this one you have a very small main cast but i think a lot of it went into the visuals which like i said are breathtaking and especially on blu-ray it is the most like i said some of the best visual effects i've seen in any movie at all i mean it's amazing
1: it was just fine on the blu-ray player with the dvd yeah yeah i'm sure probably not as good but it was great yeah and uh i likened it the whole thing almost to like a kaleidoscope
0: yeah it's um if you ever seen the christopher nolan movie inception it borrows a lot from that it really seems oh yeah definitely so So. anyway it
1: was really cool and uh we get this, uh, we get Stephen Strange trying, he sees that the Keeper of the Sanctum yeah, uh, gets killed. Exactly. And so he actually, uh, we had an earlier thing where uh, Mordu sh- shows a special thing that he got, a special mystic thing that, and he told him the mystic thing will pick you. And so we get that comes to this time now, because we get a fight with strange and, uh, Cassilius and his lackeys, as I call them or followers, you could call them followers. Yep. Yep. And then he escapes after being stabbed, which did Cassilius stab through his own follower to stab strange.
0: Um, I don't remember that part before we do that. I do want right. to talk about I want to talk about the interaction that Kysilius has with Strange at the beginning of their oh, fight. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, um, I don't have the clip because it's it's comical. But you know, and I wanted just to kind of slip the stuff that talked about some of the ideas about this film. But you know, he, he's like Mister, and then he corrects him the doctor. He's like, okay, hey, Mister Doctor. Yes. <laughs> or and he's like, no, it's Strange actually. And he's like, maybe. Yes, we'll it to judge is. You know, it's. So funny, uh, and Caecilius is played by Mads Mikkelsen, who is you know an actor in a lot of other different films. Um, one of my favorite actors. He plays Lechif in Casino Royale. He plays, he has a character in Star Wars Rogue One. He is he played Hannibal in the TV series Hannibal. He's just a very excellent actor and I'm, I'm glad i'm disappointed that we won't be able to see him for other movies because he did a, maybe maybe he'll come back in the, the next doctor strange movie because it's a multiverse movie but that's uh, true you know that's in the mad multiverse right exactly so, he's... so he is mad <laughs> that's for sure um anyway so like you said there is a fight that ensues between caecilius his uh lackeys and strange and at one point, uh, he takes out some of the lackeys, um, and he, there's this cape of levitation that is, I liken it to the magic carpet in the Disney Aladdin. It's almost got a mind of its own and it helps out the, uh, person that it likes. And so, you know, it kind of helps him beat the lackeys and, uh, get to Caecilius and, uh, subdue him. Right.
1: Yes, he does. He subdues him, but he subdues him when he's been stabbed through the heart, right? Um,
0: maybe. Uh, I, I forget. And that's the, the... when he like gets away, or no, well, before. Just remember that he was uh, captured. He had that thing that kind of put like him, you know, tied him up and you know covered his mouth. You remember that? Oh yes, yes, I do. And so that's that. I actually got a clip of that because he explains. We finally find what his final motivation is, uh, Caecilius's motivation of what he's trying to do. And we get this, we're introduced to another uh, worldview that I want to talk about. So let's talk about, let's listen to what Caecilius has to say. And uh, we learn about. Uh, another entity that we're going to see later on in the movie. So let's listen to this. Okay.
4: You cannot stop this, Mr. Doctor. Look, I don't even know what this is. It's the end and the beginning. The many becoming the few, becoming the one.
3: Look, if you're not going to start making sense, I'm just going to have to put this thing back on. Tell me, Mr. Doctor. All right.
4: Look, my name is Dr. Stephen Strange. You are a doctor. Yeah. A scientist. You understand the laws of nature, all things age, all things die. In the end, our sun burns out, our universe grows cold and perishes. But the dark dimension, it's a place beyond time. That's it, I'm putting this thing back on. This world doesn't have to die, Doctor. This world can take its rightful place alongside so many others as part of the One. The Great and Beautiful One. We can all live forever, really.
3: What do you have to gain out of this new-age dimensional utopia?
4: The same as you. same as everyone. Life. Eternal life. People think in terms of good and evil, when really time is the true enemy of us all. Time kills everything. What about the people you killed? Tiny, momentary specs within an indifferent universe. Yes, you see. You see what we're doing. The world is not what it ought to be. Humanity longs for the eternal, for a world beyond time, because time is what enslaves us. Time is an insult. Death is an insult. Doctor, we don't seek to rule this world. We seek to save it, to hand it over to a Dhrumamo, who is the intent of all evolution, the why of all existence. The Sorcerer Supreme defends existence. What was it that brought you to Kamataj, Doctor? Was it enlightenment? Power. You came to be healed, as did we all? Kamataj is a place that collects broken things. We all come with the promise of being healed and instead the Ancient One gives us tricks. The real magic she keeps for herself. You ever wonder how she managed to live this long? I
3: saw the rituals in the Book of Cagliostro.
4: So, you know, the ritual gives me the power to overthrow the Ancient One and tear her sanctums down to let the Dark Dimension in. Because what the Ancient One hoards, Dormammu gives freely, life everlasting. He's not the destroyer of worlds, Doctor, he's the savior of worlds. No, I mean, come on, look at your face.
3: Dormammu made you a murderer. Just how good can his kingdom be?
0: Yeah, so some interesting things there. So I, I want to bring forth the theory that the Dormammu uh, is, or Kaecilius, um, they're both this proponent of oneism. And uh, basically all is one, and they're trying to go back to the, the one. Yeah, everything is one. And uh, that is a distinctly anti-christian worldview it's the exact opposite of what we know is that there's god and there's his creation and you can actually read in genesis 1 and 2 when you go through the creation story everything god is a god of distinctions you know he separates the earth and the sky he creates the waters and the land he creates male and female he creates the birds of the sky birds of the ground or the animals of the ground you know so this is distinctly uh, anti-Christian worldview is uh, what Caecilius believes and what Dormammu represents. And so um, it's interesting, you know, that um, this uh oneism or monism, however you want to define it um, or label it, I should say, is, uh, you know, kind of the main villain in this particular film.
1: Yes. And a false view and a view that Dormammu uh, yeah. is the... Leader, where there is no time at all, right. that it's an everlasting existence, and he has taken worlds, right, and brought them in his uh, dimension of darkness. They say, right, the dark dimension, yeah, the dark dimension. So, yeah, if you really thought about it, you, why, why would I want to go
0: there? Yeah, you know that's the way Doctor Strange looks at it. Right. So I, and I think this is, this is also goes back to how well Madge Mickelson gives this performance. If you watch closely when he's talking about Kamartage and his experience with the Ancient One, you see this single solitary tear run down his cheek. And I think what what that is signifying is that he has experienced, and, and there's a little bit of backstory saying that he lost everything, you know, his family and everything. And so there is this deep, pain that he feels and he knows that if he gives in to Dormammu that he won't feel any pain anymore it'll all be one right and that that that's what his motivation is right and th- there again everybody that
1: goes to Karmartaj has lost everything
0: yes yes so in one
1: form or another
0: right right so uh based on some more interaction uh this is where strange uh gets mortally wounded and uh the heavy i call him the the big you know uh, lackey is going to try to kill him right and finish him off, right? Instead. or a big follower whatever you right. want to call him right so knocks him into the streets of new york and he realizes that uh, he needs to get to he opens up a portal to go back into the hospital that he used to work in and he needs palmer to, to save him save his life essentially and here we get the scene where he uses his astral form to kind of help her um, do surgery on him. So, uh, you know, we go back to how, when his hands were injured saying that he could have done a better job, this, this would have been a way for him to do that, but didn't have the powers at the time. So um, unfortunately not, not long after that, the astral form of the heavy comes in. And so they have this astral fight that sometimes, you know, the, the effects go into the real world. Sometimes they don't. And, uh, the fight is finished when, uh, Strange finds out that a defibrillator, which is normally responsible for giving electrical pulses to the heart to, uh, start, uh, um, rhythm again, the heartbeat rhythm, uh, supercharges his powers. And so he uses that to defeat him, which just from a, uh, uh, what's the technical standpoint, once a defibrillator is, uh, successful in restarting a heart, um, it won't work on a patient again because it only works if there's no heartbeat detected. If there's heartbeat detected, the defibrillator won't work. So that's a little bit of uh, inaccuracy there from a medical standpoint.
1: Well, yeah. Well, we know that it's a movie. Yeah. So I, I know I, I question a lot of things, but I just like I let it go. You know? Yeah. But but the, you know what it reminded does, me of, though? What's it, that?
0: It reminded me when she zapped him, it was almost like the fight scene between uh, the big three and the first Avengers movie where Thor's har- uh, hammer charged up Iron Man's armor. And he was, was like a 400 percent. You remember that?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Very similar to that. So I thought that was that was a cool call callback. It was definitely. Uh, but uh, anyway,
1: so he gets to have a moment with Christine and she's not uh, he's she saves him the other guy has gone the other astral guy is gone the follower or or, uh the heavy lackey heavy yes anyways he's gone now and uh strange takes her into the closet where he shows her his portal right she's like not believing him at all and then he walks through and uh it's a little comical scene where it closes and she w- starts to walk away and the mop falls over. The mop
0: handle falls over.
1: Yeah, yeah. It scares her. But uh, then Armordo gets, uh, he comes to New York. He gets there and uh, yep. Stephen and they wind up, Casilius and his followers, are they come back. Yes. And so then we get this big fight scene in New York Yes, where they're chasing him through the streets He thinks that, yeah, he thinks that, hey, mirror dimension, mirror dimension, great idea. Yeah. And then uh, Mordo tells him, no, not such a great idea. Yeah. Because he's able to bend every bend reality. Right. Right. Uh, But the ancient one, uh, we get this again, beautiful, special effects Uh, forms this uh, like fight arena like yeah
0: around circle area all right before we get to that okay. we do have we do have to discuss one thing that happens up leading up to that so they're fighting in the streets of new york and like you said everything's being bent into weird things and so at some point uh strange lands on a bus and there is a familiar face reading oh, reading yeah. a book right yes
1: your mom <laughs> laughed so hard when she saw that
0: yeah, so Stanley is reading about a book and laughing, like saying this is this is crazy or whatever. So, do you know what book he was reading?
1: I don't know. I didn't look. I was looking at him.
0: That's okay. I, I looked it up. So he was reading "The Doors of Perception" by Aldous Huxley. This what? was a this was a book that was released in the fifties. Uh, it was about uh, Aldous Huxley, the, the author. His uh, personal experiences with experimenting with a drug called mescaline. And so all of the psychedelic things that he experienced, he wrote in that book. And so as all of this psychedelic stuff is happening on in the outside world, Stanley is, you know, reading that, you know, getting a chuckle out of it. And then we have Strange that, you know, is looking at cars and, and streets that are bending on top of each other and all this crazy stuff. So I thought it was extremely well thought out the way that they uh, orchestrated that. So, yeah, cool. I
1: think I would be laughing if I read that book, too.
0: Yeah. So anyway,
1: like I you love said, the cars come in, like like going yes. over the edge and then another yeah. one coming up from the edge. It was really cool.
0: Right. Yeah, it was really cool.
1: But like you said, uh, the ancient one right. gets ready to fight everyone. Yes. OK, this is where we get the sword going through the follower. Yes. And yes. into the ancient one. Correct. That's right. Yes. I remember it happening somewhere, but uh-huh. also Mordo finds out that uh,
0: she's manipulated time. So that's why she's the ancient one. Right. She's tapped into the dark dimension and harnessed some of its power to extend her life. Right. right. Even though
1: she's preached, don't do it.
0: Right. Don't even mess with it. Yeah.
1: Don't, it's not something to mess with. We got a phrase earlier. It's good to know, but don't use it. Right. So but here so uh Mordo feels betrayed. He does, yes. And Steven on the other hand, he's just more flexible with, you know, what's going on. Yeah, that was her point
0: uh, about that. So we'll, we'll I think I think I have the clip I have the clip of her uh right after this and I think she talks about that. So we'll we'll, we'll do that. Um but yeah, you're right. The fight happens. She is mortally wounded. She goes back into the real world and just uh, Stephen, uh, acting the way he normally does, he's going to try what he knows. And so he gets her to the hospital, gets her to Christine, saying, hey, you got to save her, right? And so as they are uh, trying to save her life, uh, she, her astral form escapes, and uh, he goes into his astral form in order to chase after her. And so we get the very last words from the Ancient
3: One, You have to return to your body now. You don't have time.
2: Time is relative. Your body hasn't even hit the floor yet. I've spent so many years peering through time, looking at this exact moment, but I can't see past it. I've prevented countless terrible futures. And after each one, there's always another. And they all lead here, but never further.
3: You think this is where you die?
2: You wonder what I see in your future?
3: No. Yes.
2: I never saw your future, only its possibilities. You have such a capacity for goodness. You always excelled. But not because you craved success, but because of your fear of failure. It's what made me a great doctor. It's precisely what kept you from greatness arrogance and fear still keep you from learning the simplest and most significant lesson of all which is it's not about you when you first came to me you asked me how I was able to heal Jonathan Pangborn I didn't he channels dimensional energy directly into his own body
3: he uses magic to walk
2: Constantly, he had a choice. To return to his own life, or to serve something greater than himself.
3: So I could have my hands back again. My old life. You could.
2: And the world would be all the lesser for it. I've hated drawing power from the dark dimension. But as you well know, sometimes one must... Break the rules in order to serve the greater good Mordo won't see it that way Mordo's soul is rigid and unmovable Forged by the fires of his youth He needs your flexibility Just as you need his strength Only together do you stand a chance of stopping Dormama I'm not ready No one ever is We don't get to choose our time Death is what gives life meaning. To know your days are numbered. Your time is short. You'd think after all this time I'd be ready. But look at me, stretching one moment out into a thousand, just so that I can watch the snow.
0: Yep, and then the Ancient One goes. So, um, I, I, I like the end part of it, because she... It got, kind of comes full circle, right? Christine makes the observation in the beginning of the movie that uh, everything is about you, Stephen. And then the right. simplest lesson that the Ancient One says is it's not about you. So I, I do really like the rhyming of that um, as it comes up. So that's why I wanted that clip in there.
1: I got you. Well, it was perfect because that uh, is a revelation for him. Right. You know, and I think that that helps him to change. Yes. Yes. When he does realize it's not about him. Right. And that he has only a certain amount of time. There's a talk there about time. Right. And how time is limited. Yes. And that is with all of us. Yeah,
0: indeed. Yeah, Yeah. And I I love the visuals of that with her sitting there looking at the skyline and having a, a bolt of lightning just slowly coming down to Earth. It was absolutely beautiful. Oh, yes.
1: It was good. Definitely. Uh, So, anyways, she is gone. Uh She does say to him that he needs Mordu to defeat Cassilius and Dormammu. So, he gets back and uh, he finds Mordu at the New York Sanctum and says, Hey, we have to go to Hong Kong. Right, that's where the final confrontation is, and I think that he reluctantly goes because he he strange tells him, "Hey, I can't do it without you." Correct, and uh, they get there,
0: but basically, they're too late. Right, and then we get to see this. Uh, it, the, the final confrontation is interesting. So he tries to wind back time. Uh, he's able to uh, use the time the Eye of Agamotto to completely you know reverse the process but as he does caecilius and his uh lackeys get back into what's happening there and so they are stopping him whatnot and he realizes that no matter what he does he's really got to you know defeat the source or right dormammu uh, exactly so he does the uh interesting thing so he goes he actually goes to the dark dimension itself And he confronts DeMarmo directly. And I don't know, it's interesting the way he decides to confront him. In in the one that I read, uh, his uh, original confrontation with Dormamo, he kind of does, a a similar outcome happens, but the way he goes about it uh, is a lot different. So um, I won't get into that now because we've already uh, run quite a bit of time. So I'm going to kind of sum up, basically he puts him in a, a time loop. And uh, it is a really interesting visual thing where um, the Dark Dimension, very colorful, lots of interesting shapes and uh, effects that they use. But uh, basically, the gambit that Strange uses is that I'm going to keep you in an infinite time loop until you let me go and you never uh, invade Earth, right? Right. And you take Cassilius and his followers with you and let them come up to you.
1: Exactly. Yeah, And I, this is a Disney uh, entity, right? Marvel is owned by Disney. That's correct. And uh, Dormammu, Master Computer.
0: Okay, yeah, I can see the, the resemblance. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, so, so when I saw that, I said,
1: I know exactly who that is. You know, same eyes. Yeah. And I thought, oh yeah, Tron,
0: definitely. Well, according to what I read, the actual voice of Dormammu is actually uh, Benedict Cumberbatch himself which is interesting.
1: Uh, That is interesting. Well, I didn't say voice-wise because... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Different actor, but But an
0: English actor nonetheless. Yeah, it's definitely the MCP, right? Yeah, absolutely, visually speaking. yeah. Yes, definitely. So he's successful, and just like in the battle that he had in the comics with Dormammu, Dormammu does give his word never to invade Earth again. Um, in the comic however he decides he's 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 not going to invade earth ever again but it doesn't prevent him from using his powers and giving them to somebody else who will try to take out strange and the ancient One. so that uh, person ends up being none other than baron mordo so i'm guessing that might set up the sequel um, of what happens but you're right Uh, he is successful caecilius and his lackeys are Consumed into the dark dimension, and everything is reversed and made right again. So we're we're done with the battle. Roll credits. Yeah, exactly. We're there, but we get the very end where he's putting the Eye of Agamotto back, and Wong makes the observation, and it's not every day somebody uh, messes around with an Infinity Stone, and so we find out. Oh, that's an Infinity Stone. We've been seeing a couple of these in the past movies, and so now that no, there's another piece of the puzzle there. Right, another tie-in yes exactly so um it ends he's got his cape he's got all of his stuff and it, it uh we get the, the end credits which are really interesting visually appealing and we get the uh dr strange theme played over the credits with played by or composed by michael Giacchino, who's done a couple other things um here and there he's a very good composer and uh and then we get some we get not only a mid credit sequence but also an end credit sequence so we get two little teasers at the end right Yes,
1: yes, and that's what I was talking with you about the other day because of that first teaser I thought our next uh review was going to be a different movie. But right. that's not yeah. the
0: case. Exactly. Yeah, if we get a, a it's it's almost like the end of Ant-Man where they had the it's basically a scene from the next uh one of the next movies. And so um they kind of showed a preview of a scene in Civil War from Ant-Man and This time we get a preview of a scene in Thor Ragnarok with uh, the return of Thor, finally. (laughs) So um, we get a little comical scene about him offering him a drink and him looking specifically for Loki. So we get the the teaser that not only is Thor coming back, but also Loki. And so um, we'll we'll get to that in a few uh, more episodes. But the very end, we get this scene between Mordo and Pangborn. And Mordo becomes this different person. He has lost his faith in the Ancient One's teachings, and he decides that the best thing to do is to rid the world of magic and its powers. So we get a setup for the rest of the Marvel Mystic pocket of the MCU, which... I think so, yes. Up up until now, we have not seen anything. I think the next film we're going to see in the Marvel Mystic is going to be Shang-Chi, which comes out, I think, next year. But... uh, if this kind of like you know whets your appetite okay what are they gonna do next next movie is gonna be all the more that because there are I think a record number of post-credit things there and we'll we'll talk about that next week but anyway right. well,
1: that, the whole thing about that is that uh, with this COVID-19 yeah are they gonna come out on time because uh, Doctor Strange 2 are yeah. well the that was supposed to come out in 2021
0: yeah, and I think they're still on schedule to do that one um, with the release date. I know they 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 have, at least for the announced movies, they have given them new release dates. And I believe that the Doctor Strange uh, second movie is going to be next year uh, still. Um, it might be later in the year, but it's still, I think, right.
1: coming but, out. Right, and so. the same thing with uh, Gen. Chi was supposed to be out in 2021, 20, right? Right, exactly. So, so we'll, well, see. we'll see how that goes, right. Yeah. Okay, there's not much left except a yeah, let's, rating. Let's give it the rating.
0: Any anything else that you need to talk about, because I think we covered a lot. Oh, yeah, we did. There's nothing else I want to talk about from a worldview standpoint. There's tons of information in here. And I going into the movie, I felt that I, I wasn't... This is definitely the one uh, of the MCU films that is not as interesting for me from a character perspective or anything like that i'm not really into doctor strange it's not my thing but the uh ideas concepts and um things they put forth you know some of the implications that they put out there is fascinating to talk about all the same so
1: oh yes it was definitely an interesting movie like you said
0: yeah so do you want to rate it first you want me to rate it first sure
1: i'll be happy to rate it first Okay. Uh, You know, especially because of the MCP at the end there. Uh, Yeah. I'm actually going to give it an 8.3. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was, well, the special effects were awesome. Yeah. I love the ancient one. Yep. And uh, also Benjamin, both Benjamins were definitely great. Uh, I thought, for the most part, they uh, did the characters in the right role. The stars played the the characters very well.
0: Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, like I said, with the the premise that um, Doctor Strange is not one of my favorites, and, uh, you know, from a backstory thing, I'm not super interested in it. Marvel Mystic is not necessarily something I'm into, but given the amazing visuals the amazing acting and the interesting things introduced in this film i have to give it an eight i mean it is so well executed and it doesn't it, it's a very it's interesting to contrast this with the previous movie civil war because the what made that movie good is star power i mean they just threw everything in there here we have a very small list of characters but but they do so much with them that it makes the movie um, extremely well done. And like I said, the score is fantastic. The theme of Doctor Strange is one of the most distinctive themes that they have for uh, Marvel. And uh, you know, I'm I'm interested to see where they take it next.
1: Oh, me too. I I don't know if the second movie will be as good as the first because right. You know, we they did a lot of development and character and the actors did a wonderful job. We'll see how we'll see how they do it. I yeah. mean, it can get better, but you don't know. Like all the Captain America movies, each one was the next one was better than the previous one.
0: Well, that that's your that's your take. And, and I would say that it, in in your defense that the the all three of the Captain America movies are very different from each other, completely different. Oh um, yes. Anyway, so that's great. All right. So next week we're gonna shift. We're shifting focus from the Marvel Mystic back to the Marvel Cosmic. So you ready to go in space again? Uga shaka, uga shaka. <laughs> All right. Well, does uh, that, thank, that means yes? <laughs> yes, I I figured. Or you could just say I am Groot, right? I am Groot. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for for listening. We will uh, come back next week. In the meantime, feel free to send us an email if you have any feedback or any questions. PopsCollectionPodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. You can drop us a line there. You could send us a tweet through Twitter. You can leave us a nice review on the iTunes. And uh, next week, we're going to see you with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Goodbye and God bless.
1: Goodbye, God bless, and tell your friends.